Hello and welcome to another episode of Daf Shvui, Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. I'm recording today on Martin Luther King Day, um, the anniversary of Martin Luther King's birthday. He would have been 92 years old had he not been assassinated um, in 1968. I think it appropriate to commemorate that day by uh, reading a piece of his speech at the Riverside Memorial Church in April 1967. It is common, this isn't from his speech, but it is common to whitewash King's memory by uh, days of service and talking about how anytime there is an uprising, how King would have wanted everybody just to get along and be peaceful, but that wasn't at all what Martin Luther King was about. Martin Luther King was a radical. He was a nonviolent radical. He embraced nonviolence. He lived nonviolence. Nonviolence was the path of his life. But nonviolence wasn't being passive. Nonviolence was very active, active nonviolence. It was the ability to both oppose your opponents and recognize that they too were created in the image of God or were worthy of being loved or could be worthy of being loved even if you didn't like them. And that's the premise. That's what you leveraged in order to change them. But he was not a passive person. He was a person who taught that it was important to, to be involved in, engaged in nonviolent direct actions, actions that would provoke a response from the state, from corporations. I mean, he was very clear-sighted about the situation of the United States. This speech, Beyond Vietnam, was given at the Riverside Memorial Church. It was when he most publicly, though he had started speaking before, most publicly came out against the war in Vietnam, something that people had told him not to do, that he should stay in his lane, as it were. Um, and he refused, of course, to do that. He was, and one of the people who introduced him at this speech was uh, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, who was also an opponent of the war in Vietnam. And surprisingly enough, the height of Martin Luther King's career was not the fact that he was able to walk across the Edmund Pettus Bridge with Rabbi Heschel. Even though it is to Heschel's great glory that he recognized the civil rights movement and joined it. King was involved in the civil rights movement way before, and uh, King was part of, was an organizer and a leader of the movement, along with many, many, many others, both men and women, Ella Baker, Okay, anyway, so I want to start today just a few paragraphs from Beyond Vietnam. A true revolution of values will soon cause us to question the fairness and justice of many of our past and present policies. On the one hand, we are called to play the Good Samaritan on life's roadside, but that will only be an initial act. One day, we must come to see that the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. True compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs restructuring. A true evolution of values will soon look uneasily on the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth. With righteous indignation, it will look across the seas and see individual capitalists of the West investing huge sums of money in Asia, Africa, and South America, only to take the profits out with no concern for the social betterment of the countries and say, this is not just. It will look at our alliance with the landed gentry of South America and say, this is not just. 
the Western arrogance of feeling that it has everything to teach others and nothing to learn from them is not just. A true revolution of values will lay hand on the world order and say of war, this way of settling differences is not just. This business of burning human beings with napalm, of filling our nation's homes with orphans and widows, of injecting poisonous drugs of hate into the veins of people normally humane, of sending men home from dark and bloody battlefields physically handicapped and psychologically deranged, cannot be reconciled with wisdom, justice, and love. A nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense and on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. America, the richest and most powerful nation in the world, can well lead the way in this revolution of values. There is nothing except a tragic death wish to prevent us from reordering our priorities so that the pursuit of peace will take precedence over the pursuit of war. There is nothing to keep us from molding a recalcitrant status quo with bruised hands until we have fashioned it into a brotherhood. Okay, we are on 52B in Baba Batra. We are at the two dots for about, I'd say, 10 lines from the bottom in the uh, layout, which was originally pioneered by the widow and brothers Ram in Vilna, though these 150 years ago. We are here, the Gemara is quoting, again, the last part of the Mishnah that we read on Membet Amudbet, 42a, lo these many weeks ago. Um, and the interesting thing is that in some manuscripts, but mainly in many of the Rishonim, many of the medieval commentators have this not as a piskah, not as a quote of another line in the Mishnah, but as a new Mishnah, as it were. As it's quoting as a new Mishnah, be that as it may. The Mishnah, if we remember, is The artisans, the partners, the tenant farmers, the ombuds people cannot make a claim of chazaka, a claim of acquisition, of ownership. A man cannot make that claim of ownership on the, the estate of his wife. Nor can a woman make that claim of ownership on the estate of her husband, nor a father on the estate of the son, and not a son on the estate of the father. And this is what, these are the lines that we've been talking about for the last 10 weeks or so. Now we get to the sec- to the last lines of the Mishnah, or new Mishnah. What is this talking about? In one who is making a claim of ownership. However, one who is giving a present, or brothers who are dividing the inheritance, or one who is making a claim of ownership over the estate of a convert who has died, in those cases, locking and locking a door sealing a fen- fencing around and or breaking to the fence at all, koshu at all, harezu chazaka. This is, these are considered signs of ownership uh, without having to wait the three years that we've been talking about all the way up until now. Okay, so this is, of course, what is what is the distinction that's being drawn here, bimachzik, with one who lays a claim of Chazakah, and that's what the Gemara is going to be talking about, and even in the Gemara we'll see that it's it's a pretty unclear 
or at least not straightforward notion. Okay, so now we're in the Gemara. Atu kol hani amrinan lav so about all those things about which it says uh, that they are not uh, subject to a claim of chazakah, right? All those things that we listed, there is a uh, it is chisur mechasa v'achiktani. So I will explain chisur mechasa and then explain that it's also most uh, or many manuscripts don't have chisur mechasa. So what is chisur mechasa v'achiktani? Is Literally, there is something deficient here. Something is missing. It's chaser. And this is actually what the Mishnah should say. So a more traditional way of reading this, well, a more traditional academic way of reading this, was that there was a whole other tradition of misira, uh, a, 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 of, of passing on of this of these Mishnayot, about which it says this isn't a unique thing. This happens uh, many times. This... Uh, claim of Chisurim Achasra Vahachi Katani. And there was a different Mishnah, and what the, the Stam here is saying is actually the Mishnah we have is a deficient Mishnah, is a problematic Mishnah, and the Mishnah really says X. Another way of reading this, and I think a more accurate way of reading this, is that actually this is a Stamaitic rereading of a Mishnah. Right, the late a, a the stam is saying the Mishnah should have said meaning. Now we are going to rewrite the Mishnah, and this is how the Mishnah would have been written if we had written it. Now the truth is that uh, many manuscripts don't have chisur mechasa, and actually they not only many manuscripts but also um, the Rif and the Ad Ramad. So some of the um, earlier in the Rif, the Alfasi, the earliest, the earliest of the medievals, and the Ad Ramad and Spanish medieval from a little later, don't have Chisur Machasra, and their text reads, to all these that we say that they are not, that they can't make this claim of, of Chazakah, and then it says either Hachikamar or Amarava or Amarava, either Rabba or Rava says, this is what it says. Okay, so there's no Chisur Machasra, it's just a an explanatory, a, a Hachikamar, Meaning that this is an, an explanation of what what the Mishnah says, rather than a chesur mechasra. And let's see what that is, and then talk about it a little bit more. But medvar mamurim, this is actually what the Mishnah says. What are we talking about? When it says bimachzik, it actually means that this is talking about those cases in which there is a disputed Chazakah. Now, Chazakah Yeshimatana, we've seen that before, and we've understood it contextually to mean a Chazakah with a narrative, meaning a Chazakah in which somebody can say, I, you know, answer the question, what are you doing on my land? You sold it to me. I got it from my father. I inherited it. That's a Chazakah that we understood, a Chazakah Matana. Here, they're saying, they're using this notion of Chazakah Matana, a Chazakah that has a claim, just to, to say a disputed Chazakah. Kagon, In a situation where the seller says, I didn't sell it, and the buyer says, I bought it. So that's a chazakah that has a claimar. Aba chazakah she'eni matana, but what is it? An undisputed chazakah mean? Kagon, noten matana, vachin shel chalkuva, machsik, benechsei hager, dilemikni ba'almahu, 
gadar na'al gadar parat chazaka. So in a chazaka which doesn't, which is undisputed, such as somebody who is who gives a, a, a gift to somebody else, right? Gives a piece of land as a gift, or the brothers who are uh, dividing inheritance or somebody who is making a claim on the property of a convert. Now, why the property of a convert? Because we're talking about a convert who died. Now, a convert, according to rabbinic law, uh, does not have any relatives. So, in other words, a convert who, after, if a person converts, and then after conversion, marries a Jewish person, so then the children that are born are, are their relatives, right? So, if, if, if Ruvain converted to Judaism and became Shmuel. Well, if Ruvain converted to Judaism, stayed Ruvain, because he already had a, a conveniently Jewish name, and then married Shifra, and they had children, so now he has heirs. But if Ruvain, when he was not Jewish, had children, and then converted, those children are not, according to rabbinic law, considered heirs. Because there's a principle that ger shenit gayer dami that a a convert who converts is considered as somebody who was born anew, in terms of of people who of of relatives. So in that situation, so we we talking about somebody who is so if somebody so if a a a convert dies, has not married a Jewish person after the conversion and left property, there is no heirs to the property. So the property is if it's hefkers, if it has no owners. So therefore, it is a special situation of, of somebody who wants to make a claim on that property, which has no owners. In that case, Since it is just an acquisition, as opposed to a chazaka, which is a show of ownership, some sort of proof of ownership. So in that situation, if they locked the door or they put a, or they fenced it or they broke through the fence and anyway, so then it is a, a chazaka. Okay. So there are a number of things that need clarification here. First of all, the whole chisura mechasra issue. Yudnud Epstein, one of the great Talmudists of the last century and his Mavo, Linusacha Mishnah, his two-volume masterwork, talks a long time about but he raises this text here and he says right he raises the manuscript the issue of the manuscripts the most manuscripts don't have but at the same time he says look what doesn't make sense here is that there seems to be something that they are actually explaining Right, because it says in the Mishnah, what are we talking about? We're talking about a machzik, somebody who wants, who tries to make a claim of ownership or, or some, or, or, or a proof of ownership, a chazaka, right? And then, uh, the Gemara explains the rewriting is that it's a chazaka sheshimatana. Right? In other words, there is something there to explain. So it does seem, so the claim of chisur machasra makes sense. On the other hand, all these, the, the, the manuscripts seem to be Pointing towards the fact that it's not a chisurim chasur, but it's a hachi kamar, and it's uh, and there's a statement in the name of Rava or Rabba, right? Uh, which is a hachi kamar, meaning this is what that means. So Epstein raises the possibility that actually the Mishnah was mish, our Mishnah is mishubash, and that our Mishnah is deficient, is wrong, as it were. And it's, it should that originally the Mishnah didn't say medvarim amorim bimachzik that the that what are we talking about we're talking about machzik but bimocher 
with somebody who's selling. Now, that makes a lot of sense because, for the following reason, it is immediately contrasted with the Notein Matana, right? Or the Achin Shechoku. Those are situations of not Mechira, of not selling, but rather giving a present or uh, splitting an inheritance or uh, laying claim to the estate of a convert. All of those things are not selling. So they are, they are contrasted with selling, as opposed to if we, we kept the girsa that we have in the Mishnah of machzik, then it, then we have to figure out how do we distinguish between the machzik and the other machzik. In other words, what's going on here? So, so we have to figure out how to, so that's why what Rava is saying is about the mocher, where it says medvarmin bimocher. So there, he's adding mocher, mocher, matana, mocher, omer lo mocher, lakakti. Right? So it's, it's all about a situation of selling, and it's disputed selling when there's a dispute between the mocher, the seller, and the, and the buyer. And that's why you have both. So that's why you have the, the actual girsa is hachikamar. What happened, perhaps, is that at a certain point after Rava's statement, uh, that it was a hachikamar explaining the Mishnah, there was a, uh, the Mishnah got mishubash. The Mishnah, the Mishnah is, uh, the version in the Mishnah was messed up in, in, you know, in transmission error. And, uh, it became machzik. And because of the words, the chazakah, perhaps, who knows why. And then, Somebody looked at it and said, well, this doesn't look like a hachikamar. This looks like a chesurah machasra. So the stam put it in terms of chesurah machasra. Or some of the one, a copyist put it in terms of chesurah machasra. And that's how we have our present girsa in the Gemara, which seems in and of itself um, problematic. Okay. So now the second thing is, what is this distinction that is drawn? So we're drawing a distinction, which is really important here. Now, Right, the difference between the Bamedvarim and Murim up until now, in the parrot, we have operated on the assumption that Chazaka is the three-year period. Sometimes it's less, sometimes more, but it's based on that three-year period of having, you know, a, a claim. I bought it from you, and then look, I've been here for three years, and that's why I have a Chazaka. That's why that is my claim to ownership. That's my the symbolism of my ownership is that. But now we're introducing a new thing. So this new thing is this active form of chazakah, which is na'al gadaru parat, and which is the locking the gate, the breaking open the gate, or the fencing it. Right? Those things are immediate, right? And we're going to go on soon, and the Gemara is going to explain that it has to do with, with uh, you know, in front of another person. We, we had some of this before, that if you plow somebody else's property, is that if you're sitting, if if you're plowing my property and I don't say anything, is that not an admission that you own that property, right? And that's kind of the same thing. But here we're talking about that there is a distinction. So this Mishnah, when the Mishnah says, bimachzik or bimocher, that that's talking about a disputed, everything went up till now is a disputed ownership case, right? Where one person says, I didn't sell it to you. The other person says, I bought it, and they have a claim. But it, it's a question of three years. I've been sitting here for three years, as opposed to an undisputed ownership, where it's just a person gives the other person 
a present, right? I give you, I deed you my front lawn as a present because I like you. You're such a nice guy. And in that situation, we then, you then go and you do something, which is part of what I call the semiotics of ownership. How do we read that this lawn is now yours? We read that it's yours because of the fact that you put a fence around it or you open up the fence that was there, or you lock the fence that was there or wasn't there. And that action reads to the outside person, to the observer, who knows that now it's yours. Or, and we'll see in a minute this in the Gemara, it, if I am standing there and you do that, it is, a, it is a proof that it's okay with me that you're doing that. Now, the one more thing that we have to figure out here is, there's see what seems to be this insertion. All Hebrew. Right? Somebody gives a present. Brothers who divide, uh, who divide inheritance. Somebody who's trying to make a claim on the estate of the ger of a convert. Now we have an Aramaic interjection here, because this is just Kenyan. This is just for acquisition. Now. The problem there is that we're all of a sudden making a distinction between Kinyan and Chazaka, between two things which are more or less the same. If we look, for example, in Mishnah Kiddushin 1.5, where they're talking also about buying property, estate, and we've seen this Mishnah earlier in our parak, also quoted an estate land, up on which there is liability. In other words, if somebody else, if I sell you this piece of property and then Shifra comes and makes a claim on it against it, I owe you, um, I am responsible for the, the piece of property. If Shifra ends up getting it, I have to give you back the money. Okay, that's what Achrit is, if we just to remind ourselves. But here's the important thing. So Nechasim Sheshem Achrit are, how are they acquired? Kesef Shtar Chazaka. Either with money or with a, a contract or with a chazaka, right? So there we see chazaka is a, is, is a part of the larger set of kinyan. It is a manner of kinyan. Or there uh, in, in, in the Tosefta Kiddushin, the Tosefta in the same paragraph Kiddushin, Ezehu Chezkat Karkot, what is the chazaka that one can have in land? Na'al gadar parat koshu arezu chazaka. So there, the the uh, locking the gate, fencing around, breaking up the gate, at all. These are manners of chazaka, right? So it is. These are manners of chazaka, which are so they are not a thing themselves, right? It's not like that. We have a kinyan, and then we have this thing, which is a chazaka. This is a chazaka. So it's unclear here. What it means when the 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 stam interjects dilemikne ba'almahu, what the stam is trying to say is that we had a chazaka, an unqualified chazaka, and then we have the al gadar parats is a way of doing an immediate chazaka. Right? We have you give a present, and then you have chazaka. So there's chazaka, and then there's acquisition, or there's kinyan, and then there's there's this kinyan which is acquisition, and this chazaka, which is ownership, right? Something to that effect. But that is an unnecessary addition because the Mishnah reads pretty well by itself, right? The the Mishnah, the, re, the reread Mishnah that we had 
or the, the mission itself, right? Because what it is saying is that an undisputed chazaka is the the acquisition moment of that undisputed chazaka is na'al gadar parat. Because it's undisputed, and the only reason for it is the Rashbam says, the reason that we have na'al gadar parat, na'al parat, na'al gadar parat, these three manners, manners of acquisition, is in order to draw a line so that if I give you a present and then a week from now, I decide, you know what? Yeah, I want to get, I want it back. I want it back. You know, and so then you have the fence around it and it says, no, it's not yours. It's yours, not mine. Right. And that is the semiotics of, of possession. Okay. Now this is, uh, this is also plays a part in the Yerushalmi where there is a more detailed version of Na'al Gadar Paratz, um, in which, in which they say there, um, Shimon Barva says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that if somebody sells a house to his fellow, once he gives him the key, the person acquired it. Rabbi Ami b'shem Rabbi Yochanan ha'mocher bayit l'chavero kevin shetzavar l'tocho perot kana. Rabbi Ami says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan if somebody sells a house to his friend, once he puts, uh, you know, once he uses it to store fruit, he acquired it. And then as a caveat, there has to be fruit that are appropriate to 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 store. Rabbi Yochanan says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, if somebody sells a, a well to his friend or a cistern to his friend, so as soon as he gives him the, the bucket, from which he's going to take the water out, so then he he acquired it. So this, again, this notion of Na'al Gadar Paratz is a manner, there's no, there's, there's the, the distinction that the Stam in this interjection here is creating between Chazaka and Kenyan is, is rather ambiguous and seems a little unnecessary. But we'll leave that there. This week's podcast is brought to you by OAJGG, Old Ashkenazi Jewish Guys Gym. Two schwitzes, no weights. Ever get that feeling that you should exercise more? Followed by a stronger feeling that getting up from the couch could actually be dangerous? Well, we're the place for you, OAJGG. Our motto is no pain, no pain. Our philosophy is the three shins, schwitz. Shh, you're playing the music too loud. A man can't hear himself think. And something else that begins with a shh that I can't remember right now. When you've tried the rest, and all they want you to do is schlep this thing here, schlep that thing there, bend down, push up, it's time to try the next thing. O-A-J-W-G, Old Ashkenazi Jewish Guys Gym. Okay, so we'll, we'll move on. And we have we go to Tzni Rav Hoshaya, B'Kiddushin de Levi, a discussion of the Tosefta of Kiddushin, the Tosefta Kiddushin of the House of Levi. Now, it's uh, just a little bit. Entertaining that Rav Hoshaya is not necessarily Rav Hoshaya. Uh, it could be Rav Mesharshi according to the Munich manuscript, or Rishchavia according to the Scorial manuscript. It's not clear what his name was. Poor guy didn't have a good PR guy. All right. So, but it says there, Rav Hoshaya says in or around the, the or in interpreting the 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 Tosefta Kedusha, the Tosefta of the Bey Levi or the Brita of the of Kedushin of Bey Levi. The Al Gadar Parat Kolshu Befanav Harezu Chazaka. If he locked the door, fenced in, or broke through at all in front of him, 
behold, it is a chazakah. Now remember, when we read the Tosefta Kedushin a couple of minutes ago, it doesn't say Bifanav. But in this version of the Tosefta Kedushin, it does say it. Now So the Stam says, Bifanav in Shlo Bifanav Lo. So that edition of in front of him is specifically in front of him. In front of him, yes. Not in front of him, no. And then in front of him, it is not a, a, a manner of acquisition. Amar Rava. So Rava says here, Bifanav lo When it is in front of him, the, the, the manuscripts don't have hachikamar. Um, when it is in front of him, you don't have to say, um, go, he doesn't have to say, go and uh, go and hold on to it and acquire it. Again, chazek uknei, together is one thing. But when it's not in front of him, he has to specifically say, go acquire and buy it and go do the acquisition and own it. So that's why it says, So that action in and of itself, I give you my front lawn as a present. You go and you fence it in. It's yours. I don't have to say, Go now, grab it, chazak ukne. Go now, grab it, and own it. Bay Rav bimatana heach. So Rav asked, how does this work with a present? So Amar Shmuel, Shmuel replies to Rav, Mighty Bay Laba, what is Abba one? Abba is another name for, for Rav. What, what, what's bothering Abba? Hashta umamach mecher de kayav lezuze. So, what a, a sale in which money pa- passes hands, money is transferred. I amalele chazek vikne in ilolo, ilala, if he says to him, go chazak ukne, go grab onto it and own it and acquire it. If he says that to him, so then it is an acquisition. If not, not. Matanala Kalshigain, should it not be all the more so the case with a gift in which there is no money that is passing hands, passing from hand to hand, that he should have to say, And Rob thinks, no, actually the opposite. I don't know, the opposite. But Rob thinks that actually when somebody gives a present, they're giving ba'ayin yafeh. They're giving in a in in, in an encompassing manner, right? We had this uh, a few daf back. What is ayin yafeh? Ayin yafeh. I think it's on thirty-seven. Ayin yafeh is when you buy a tree. So the person who sells it to you sells it ba'ayin yafeh, meaning that you get the the dirt around the tree. You don't just get the tree, and then the tree has to live in the air. But you get the dirt around the tree also, right? And that has different. Implications. So here, Rav is saying, no, somebody who gives a present is giving the present by in yafeh. So therefore, there's no need to say lechazek v'knei. No need for him to make the statement of intention. V'kama kolshehu, and now we move on to the next piece. How much is kolshehu, when you say that you have to block it up or fence it, kolshehu, a bit? Kiddush Shmuel, according to what Shmuel says, Damar Shmuel, this is what Shmuel said, Gadar geder If he fenced a fence to 10 tfachim, which is about 60 inches. Or he made a hole in the fence so that you can go in and out of it. This is a chazaka. This is enough. 
So that's what it means when he says kosher. That's enough. Hi, Geder. In other words, so hishlimo lash. So not that he built all fence, but that he made it up to ten, right? Hi, Geder. Hechidami. So what does this fence look like? Ilemad mekar lavi salkila vashdenami lo salkila. So if before he did his improvements, a person could not go up past the fence. And now also a person cannot go up past the fence. My habit. So what, what did he do? He didn't do anything. Before there was a barrier, now there's a barrier. meikara havisalkila, vahashta lasalkila, tuvabad. And if, if initially he could go up and now he can't go up, so then that's good. So why do you, why do you have to even say that? I mean, that's obvious. La tzricha. No, we have to we have to mention it. Why? So what Shmuel means by kol shahu is that beforehand he could go up easily. He could you know put on his tuxedo, walk up, doesn't get stained or ripped or or, or bust, and now he has to squeeze through and his tuxedo ends up all ripped up. So that's that's that counts. That's what kosher is. Hi chidami. And what does it mean to open up a hole? If in the beginning he could go up and now he could still go up. So what did he do? And if in the beginning he could not go up because there was a barrier and now he could go up. So what he did was great. But then what is kosher? What is what's he saying? La tzricha. In the beginning, he can only go up with difficulty, right? His tuxedo would get all ripped up. And now he can go up and walk through with his tuxedo and no problem. All right. Further trying to figure out, trying to clarify what this means, this kosher means, or this what trying to basically trying to figure out the semiotics of ownership. What does it mean? What actions are done so that a bystander notes, oh, this is the person who owns the land. Natan Tzror V'ho'il, Natal Tzror V'ho'il, Hareza Chazaka. If a person put down stones and it helped, or it affected something, or if a person took away stones and it affected something, that is considered a Chazaka, right, in a field. So... Now, that's not a very clear statement, so the Stam is going to ask about it. So what does it mean to put down a takeaway? So if you're going to say what's going on here is if a person puts down the uh, rocks, and by putting down those rocks stops water from going into the field, from flooding the field, or a person takes, picks up the rocks, and in picking up the rocks, he lets the water go out of the field again so that the field is not flooded. This is actually just like somebody who will who, who, who uh, shoes away a lion, chases a lion away from his, his person, his friends, his fellow's estate. And so it's not, it's it's something that should be done, but it's a moral obligation. And so therefore, the moral obligation is not something that you can then turn into a, a transaction and say, oh, this is a claim of chazakah. 
You can't transform a moral act into a transactional transactional act, is perhaps what the Gemara is saying here. Ella, rather, Natan Tzor ditzamad lamaya, Natan Tzor arvach lamaya. Rather, it's just that he made a, a bit of a change. So he put the rocks down so that the water changed in its flow, or he took the rocks away, and there was more water that flowed. So in other words, it's like he was helping um, irrigate the field. Okay, Amar Ravasi, and so, so that's what, why it's a... Uh, why it's kosher. That's what it, what it means. For Amar Abasi, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Abasi said in the name of Yochanan, Shtei Sadotu Meitzar Echad Beinayim, Ve'achzik Ve'achat Meyan Leknota Kena'a. So now we're moving on to, though it's Ravasi, Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Rabbi Yochanan is the, the connecting tissue here. Moving on to another case. And this is, again, case about, uh, talking about Nichsei Hager, assets or estate that belongs to uh a, a convert who died and has no heirs. It's it's not clear to me. It's not clear to me what the difference between a a convert who died and had no heirs and a Jew who died and had no heirs. The only possible difference, and the Rishonim don't really talk about this at all. They don't mention this, but it could be because they think that it's impossible for a Jew to have died and not have any heirs. If you didn't, a Jew might not have had children, but then he had. A wife, if he didn't have a wife, he had a brother. If he didn't have a brother, he had a father and mother, and then therefore he had aunts and uncles or cousins. Somewhere along the line, somebody might have been able to make a claim, as opposed to a gear, a convert, who, since considered as if they were born again on the day that they converted, can actually have no relatives at all, and therefore no heirs, and therefore when the, the convert dies... The convert's property, his or her property, is hefker, is ownerless. And therefore, the question then is, what happens to that ownerless property? Okay, so, Amar Abasi, Amar Abiyochan, Shtei Sadot, to Meitzer Achad Beinayim, Hechzik Be'achad Me'en, Leknota Kena'a. So, if there are two fields and a borderline between them, We've spoken about mate Sarah before, right? A borderline between them, border, you know, the, the like the the two amot that are on the edge of the field between them, and they they serve for both of those fields. If he claimed one of them, um, he can acquire one of them. If somebody comes and says, right, this belongs to a convert who died, says, okay, this one is mine now. But if he makes a claim on one of them, meaning he sets up shop there, he puts a fence around, or he breaks through the fence on one of them, and he says that that's a claim on both of them, so he bought the one, he acquired the one that he made the the, the, the fence on, and not the other one. If he sets a fence up on one, and he's saying that, because, that in that way he's buying the other one, so he didn't buy either of them. So, so what's going on here? If you buy two pieces of land from a Jew, um, and you make a kinyan on one of those pieces of land, so the halacha is that you've made a kinyan on both. Now, what's the difference? The difference here is because there's no dat makna, right? There is no authority or institution or person who can sell it to you, who can, the, in Hebrew, the makna, the, the, the grammatical functions, cannot acquire it to you, right? So therefore, there's no, it's not transferable, the acquisition from one piece of land to another piece of land. Okay, so as the the, the Meiri says, 
that the principle is that the state of converts are acquired are only acquired if you make a a if you do something in the land itself or something that assists the land itself right and it's not just it's not you can't do it on one piece of land and have it for another piece of land All right by Rabzera. Rabzera asks about this, challenges this. What happens if a person makes some sort of puts a fence or whatever, one of these things, on one of the pieces of land in order to buy it and in order to buy the borderland and in order to buy the other field? What's the what's the case? What is the halacha? Do you say that the borderland of the land, there's one borderland which serves both fields, so therefore it's all together as one piece, and if you made a kinyan on one side, then it works for the whole thing. Or maybe they're actually two different fields, so therefore if... You, if you made a, a an acquisition of one of these three types of acquisition on one field, it only works for that one field, and not, and you have to make a, another one for the other field. They're both separate. So, what what do we do here? Takeo. So takeo means take home. This question remains. We have no way to answer the question. So takeo is a special. It shows up a whole bunch of times. There's actually a book with the creative title, Teku, which lists all the times that it shows up. Um, and it's actually what the, the book comes, the the uh, uh, the conclusion reached is that it's not really different from other Ibai Luhus, right? Bai, Ibai Luhu is, is when you have a certain amount of information and then an Amora usually asks a question based on that information and pushes it further. So here we know that you can only buy one field at a time, from and the question here is, can you buy both the field and the borderland and the other field? Because the borderland goes for both of them. Or not. Right? And the answer is, we don't know. Now we have another question. By Rebelezer, another baya, right, which is adding a piece of information. What happens if, you just, if you're looking for to buy the strip of land in the middle, which seems to serve both fields? And you make an acquisition on that piece of land in order to buy both. So what's the halacha? Do you get both? Do you get none? What? Me, I mean, do you say, Do you say this, do we say that this Meitzar, this border land, is kind of the leash of the land, and you buy it all, because it's the leash of both sides. Or do you say, no, each one is separate, so therefore you can't acquire both of them by making an acquisition on the borderland. Teku. Again, the question remains. The question remains. All right. Amarab Nachman, Amarab Barabua. So we go on. We move on. In the in a similar vein. Shnei batim zelef There are two houses, one inside another. If one makes an acquisition on the outer house in order to buy it, he buys it. But if he makes an acquisition on the outer house in order to buy it and the inner house, he buys the outer house, but not the inner house. If he makes an acquisition on the inner house to buy the outer house also, he didn't buy either of them. 
right? If he makes an acquisition in order to buy the inner house, he doesn't buy either of them. But if he makes an acquisition on the inner house just to buy it alone, he buys it. And if he makes an acquisition, if he makes some sort of an acquisition to buy it and the outer house, he buys both of them. If he makes an acquisition to buy the outer house, he didn't even buy the inner house. So the difference between the inner house and the outer house is that the inner house, you have to walk through the outer house in order to get out. So the outer house, you don't have to walk through the inner house to get out. And the question here is, these houses, one inside the other, um, whether you can, again, just buy one, and again, talking about the estate of a, a dead gear. Amar of Nachman, Amar of Barabua. So Rav Nachman says the name of Barabua. Habonet platrin gedolin b'nechsei hager diving deeper into the estate of a convert, one who builds a large house on a the estate of a convert who has died, and somebody else came and put doors on them. The second guy bought them. Second guy acquired My time, Why? Because the first guy who built this large structure but had no doors... Basically, the Livne Ba'amudavil, he's just turning over stones. He's putting stones, he's piling stones up one on top of the other. Because this is going back to what the Ramah says, is that when you're acquiring the estate of a convert, which is basically acquiring something from Hefker, you have to do something which essentially changes it. Amar Abdimi Bar Yosef Amar Rabbelezer. Abdimi Bar Yosef said in the name of Rabbelezer. I'm Otsay Platrin Benechseyager, one who finds an, uh, a, a building, a large building in an estate of a convert who has died. Besad Ben Siyud Echad, O Kiyur Echad, and he paints or uh, carves, he makes a painting or a carving. Kina'an, he buys him. Vakama, how much does he have to do? Amar Rav Yosef, Amma. Rav Yosef says he has to do one Amma, one cubit, like 18 inches. Amar Rav Chista, Kenegra Petah, Rav Chista says it has to be opposite the door. So in other words, it's significant. When you move in, walk in, you see it. Amar Rav Amram, Rav Amram says, another Amara. Hai milta Amralan Rav Sheshet, Van Harinu, Einin Mi Matznita. This is something, this is a, a teaching that Rav Sheshet ta- told us, and he illuminated our eyes from a Mishnah. If somebody puts out mattresses to lie down on in an estate that belongs to a convert who has died, he acquires it. So this doesn't seem like he's doing anything materially to change the estate of the convert, but he is making use of it in a way that it is usable now. And what does it mean that he enlightened our eyes from a Mishnah? The Tanya, because it says in the Brayta, how does one acquire, and here we're talking about how does one acquire an enslaved person? There are three matters of acquisition, and one of them is Chazaka with this type of Chazaka. What does it mean? If the enslaved person tied his shoes, or untied his shoes. Or he brought his um, uh, garments and other implements to him, with him, after him to the bathhouse. And he undressed him 
and bathed him, he oiled him and uh, brushed him and uh, uh, clothed him, and he put his he, he, he put his shoes back on, he shod him, I think you only use that with a horse, put his shoes back on, and he helped him up, so then the the owner, as it were, with that bought, acquired the enslaved person. So that's saying there was nothing essentially changed in the enslaved person. Enslaved person was still a person. It was just that the enslaved, the usage that one got out of the enslaved person was the Kenyan. Bracketing here on Martin Luther King Day, the radically awful notion of enslaved persons. Uh, and so that's the same as if somebody lays down a mattress in an estate, which does not materially change the house, but it just makes use of the house, and therefore that is a Kenyan. Okay, so there are a couple of things that that we're leaving here with jagged edges. One of them is what is why is the whole notion of 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 hager an estate that belongs to a, a convert who died so different. In other words, is it just because it is pushing this case of exclusivity of a convert that a convert retains their convert status, even though for many other things we see a convert as completely Jewish? But here, when we get to the edges, the convert still is a convert status, and therefore when the convert dies, the property doesn't go anyplace. It just sits there because the convert was not fully integrated into the Jewish community. Or not. So what does that mean? So we're going to leave that, and we'll, we're in the middle of a sugya, so we'll probably pick it up in the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure spending this time with you. I am Aryeh Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. As always, um, thank you so much to my wonderful Chavruta, Charlotte van Robert, my amazing producer, Eli Unger-Sarga, and check out his podcast. There's a new series coming out on anti-racism podcast Four Cubits with Jeff Helmreich and of course deepest thanks to the communications department of um, Daf Shvui Shachar Cohen Hodos please tell me what you think my email is thewidowandthebrothers at gmail.com I hope you had a good time come back next week and bring a friend stay healthy remember the Radical King.